everybody and welcome. It's Lori Crete here, your host for today's episode of the Beauty Biz Show. And before we get started, I just want to take a moment to share a bit of information about my website training and resources page. This is a spot where you can find several programs that I've designed to help you attract more clients, get more referrals, and generate more profits into your beauty biz practice. And the reason I'm mentioning this to you today is one of my favorite programs is the Instagram success system, and it's designed specifically for beauty biz practitioners. I get emails all the time asking, Lori, how can I get more clients? And this program is really set up to show you how to do exactly that. You learn how to set up your Instagram account and use it as a powerful client attraction and referral tool. You're going to also learn how to design and brand your own custom posts and videos. And yes, I mean you, it's really that easy. This part of the training alone can save you thousands of dollars in development and graphic design fees. And you're also going to learn how to create a step-by-step hashtagging system. It's the same one that I use daily to increase and engage with the right followers. Honestly, this program is designed to take you right into the back end of my very own cell phone and my own computer and show you exactly step-by-step how to do this. So if you want to take advantage of this training, know that all you have to do is visit www.lauricrete.com, www.l-o-r-i-c-r-e-t-e.com. Go to the training and resources tab and scroll down. You'll see the Instagram success training. And now stay tuned because I know you're really going to enjoy the show today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. Today, I am extremely excited to give you the opportunity to listen in and learn from somebody who I consider to be a beauty biz icon. Today's guest is John Maley. And I'm sure if you've had your license for any amount of time, you have paid a visit to what used to be known as Maley's Beauty Supply and is now salon-centric. It is for licensed professionals only place to shop. And I remember when I first got my license, that was like one of the highlights of becoming a licensed professional. I finally got to see what was behind the door at Maley's. So John got involved in the business and moved from Chicago and took over what was a $2 million market and turned it into a $200 million market before selling to L'Oreal. Now he shares some of his experience and the decision why he sold to L'Oreal. And I think you're going to be quite surprised when you hear what took place. I think you're also going to be very inspired by his insight on industry trends. We talked a lot about salon suites. We talked about people purchasing or clients purchasing their products online. We talked a lot about how important it is to know your numbers and to check in and do what he called a gut check surrounding your business and the success of it. I think you're going to leave this show feeling really powerful and inspired as a beauty biz practitioner. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the beauty biz show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. Hi, 
everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and today I'm really excited to introduce you to our guest, John Maley. Hi, John. Hello, Lori. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. I am so excited to have you here. And the reason being is because when I became a licensed esthetician, I got to go to Maley's. And I think maybe as a guy, you can't wrap your mind around how exciting that is, but it felt like I was invited to a magic castle when I got my license and I was finally allowed behind the doors. That's funny. <laughs> I, uh, it, what's, what's really funny is how many hairdressers that go on to do other things in their lives keep their license just so that they can continue to go to the magic castle. Yeah, it, it was. It was probably one of the most exciting parts of getting my license, being able to see what was behind the doors there because I had heard everybody talk about it for so long. I hope they treated you nice when you came into the Magic Castle. Well, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. When I sent you the invite letter, I mentioned at the bottom of the letter that I was gifted a spa because of my Maley's rep. Mm. Okay, so tell me that story. Well, you know what? I don't know if you created this or if you just got lucky because I think hiring employees is probably one of the most difficult parts of owning a business. Would you agree with that? Yeah, right. Well, that's, I mean, I, I believe that... Uh, your people make your business. So if you don't have great people, you probably don't have a great business. Yeah. Well, your Maley's reps always seem to, I don't, they were so wonderful. And there are so many reps in the beauty biz industry. You have people coming mm -hmm. in and out of your door all day long, but yep. you just seem to have a really nice family type community. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. I would say probably half of our salespeople ended up being from referrals from hairstylists, from estheticians, because, you know, they were work doing service with someone, and, and the lady or, or guy would say, hey, you know, gosh, I'm looking for a new job. And they're like, oh, my gosh, what, you're in sales? Oh, you should work for this company. They're really great. Mailings is just a great company. And we'd get these calls randomly from these people that, and, you know, you'd, eventually you'd find out there were some really great ones out there, and they were passionate because they were passionate about the business because they were full-on customers. Uh, it oftentimes fit. Well, did you have a special training for them? I feel like maybe when I first started, there wasn't nearly as many reps as there was now. So maybe even you guys were a pioneer in this whole thing, sending people mm -hmm. out there to go in and take care of the hairdressers and the estheticians that way. Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I think we were, I think, you know, I think we just tried to do it better. Um, you know, we did, we always tried to, my dad uh, started our business and he always said that you don't try to make an order, a sale until your fifth call because you really want to know what the customer is about first. And if you really understand their business and what they are about, then at that time, you know, because if you just come in the first time and you place, the customer plays an order with you, they probably aren't very loyal, right? And, and they're not loyal to you. You probably aren't that loyal to them. But if you really earn the trust by walking in four or five times, eventually you'll, um, you'll earn their trust. You'll see what they actually need and what kind of place they actually have and what products that you sell might make sense in their business. Well, my Maley's rep came in and she actually asked me if she could get a facial. So mm. she mm. wanted to pay and just be my client. And I, of course, gave her a discount. But after she got a facial with me, I sent her a thank you note. Mm -hmm. And she came in a, a few weeks later and she said, nobody in the beauty industry has ever sent me a handwritten note. And it was a powerful lesson for me starting out. I was mm -hmm. a brand new esthetician to really connect yeah. with people, kind of going back to how your dad approached business yeah. and sales. Mm -hmm. But this gal took care of me. She would call me all the time, my Maley's rep, and she would say, they're filming 
at a salon here. They need a really good esthetician. I mentioned and recommended you. Would you like to do this? So I would always say yes to everything, even though being on TV scared the crap out of me in the beginning (laughs) because I felt like, oh, gosh, I don't know enough to do this. But it was one of the shows that she hooked me up with. We filmed at a location in Encino, California, and I ended up going to work there. And when the owner was getting ready to sell, it was disconnected. The spa was across the breezeway from the salon. And uh, the owner ended up gifting me the spa because it didn't sell with the salon. She couldn't get it to sell as a combo. So, yeah, I thank my Melly's rep for that. She was incredibly (laughs) supportive during the beginning of my career. Well, oftentimes, as you know, with uh, hard work comes luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I've been told my whole life, you're so lucky, Lori. And I'm like, gosh, I put myself out there and I work really hard. So that (laughs) statement you said is very true. How did your dad get into the biz, the beauty industry? Well, it's a classic story. In 1951, he's in high school looking for a job, works at a guy's warehouse pulling orders. And when he graduated from high school... He graduated in June, married my mom in September, and realized that he needed to make a little bit more money. And so asked the guy if he could you know, get a sales job, and the guy offered him a sales position. And it was a beauty company. It was a beauty company in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And from there, he developed a great, you know, he became a great salesperson, you know, and he really believed in this whole idea of consultative selling and it was, you know, back in the 50s, that was kind of unusual, um, really trying to help your customer. And then he, you know, over time, built a great business, and then he started his own in 1967, and that, that business became Mailey's. And you actually went to school to be a CPA? Yeah, yeah. I was the, uh, the youngest of five, and everybody went in the family business. We used to say that when they graduated high school, they would go to the University of Mailey's because that's where everybody just went right to work because um, we were a very small company. And I was the fifth kid, and so I was always kind of more on the college side. And so I went to school, did the accounting thing, and and then, but it wasn't long. You know, a couple years after I got into it, I got back into the salon industry, and then they called me back and said, hey, you got to be, you got to help us out here in California. So You picked up from the Midwest and moved out to California? Yeah. yeah me and my wife were uh, Midwesterners through and through. She's from Chicago. And in a million years, I, we couldn't imagine ourselves on the West Coast. And when my dad had bought the company um, out here, my brother called and asked if I would you know, consider moving out. And I'm like, yeah, all right, well, you know, we'll think about it. But, and, you know, so we talked, no way. And then my dad called, and eventually we took a trip out, saw it, kind of fell in love with the opportunity. And it was a five-year opportunity. 26 years later, we're still here. <laughs> No, in fabulous Southern California, it's almost, as you probably know, it's hard to leave. Oh, I'm a Vermont girl. I don't, I, but you know, I had posters on my bedroom wall when I was 10 years old of California. Somehow I always knew I was going to end up there. So funny. I didn't have those posters. <laughs> it's scary when you first go there. You think it's all Hollywood and glam and it's really just kind of normal life with great weather. Mm. Yeah, well, it kind of depends on the crowd you pick. That's true. I've surrounded myself with some pretty incredible people out there, but you're right. There's a lot of craziness going on in California as well. Another thing I found, and you with the, you know, a numbers type background, it's hard to be a business owner in California, harder than a lot of other states. Yeah. The, uh, at some point in our uh, business, you know, the big push was to move to Reno. Everyone, 
you know, if we had a warehouse in Reno, we could serve the entire territory. We wouldn't have to have three warehouses. But, yeah, I mean, it's from a business standpoint, it's a little more expensive to do business here. But on the other side of it is there's, a, there's 14 million people here. I mean, it's an incredible workforce and a diverse workforce. So kind of hard to – and also it's because there's 14 million people, there's 14 million people that are using shampoo every day. So, you know, there's financial opportunities <laughs> as well. Being a CPA, which is one of the scariest parts of my business, knowing my numbers, mm. I have to ask you, do you think that's part of the reason that Maley's grew from 2 million to 200 million because you went in and dissected numbers? Um, I'm, uh, when I was in college, I learned that two-thirds of all the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies had a finance or accounting background. And, and so as I've gone in business and been in business all these years, I always think, gosh, how do you, how are you in business, you know, like, how do you be in business without really knowing the numbers? And so I really encourage people that if, if numbers aren't your first language, make it your first language. You know, really um, take that there's a lot of fun little courses you can take to become better at numbers. It's like, you know, we had the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl, like, if, if they didn't keep track of the score, and if they didn't have a time frame to it, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting <laughs> as the way they do it now, which is to have a score. And so that's, you know, it's keeping score in your business. That's what numbers are all about. I got literally, I say the universe speaks to me, or the higher power speaks to me in, in strange ways. I usually get a little whisper and then I get a shove. And this year I actually got hit over the head with a baseball bat because I got a tax bill that I've never had before. And my commitment this year is to learn more about numbers. So once a week I've met with a financial planner, my CPA, I've committed to meeting with him at least three times a year. So I don't get this shock anymore, but it's scary at first. So like, what's the first step? What would you tell? Because I feel like beauty biz practitioners are more on the creative side and not so much. We don't even really want to know about numbers, but we have to. Like, what's the first step in learning about numbers? Where would you go or what would you do? I've met with so many uh, salon professionals over the years. And I'm, what I'm always really impressed by is, is the fact that they actually do know their numbers. They just know it in a way that is not traditional. Like, if I were to ask you, you know, how much do you do, uh, you know, what's your best week or how much have you done in a month or, you know, um, you know, like what is, what do you, what do you charge per guest or what is your average guest count? Things like that. Some people would know, but when I say how much revenue did you do last year, they might not get that. What's your cost of goods? I might not get that. And so I always say, you know, number one, I think everyone has some, if you're in business, I mean, you're, you're keeping track of it already. Um, it's a matter of having interest in it. And so take your financial statement out like you've done and you're going to meet with a guy every week and learn it over time. Just, just you know, number one, it's, it's, you got to read it yourself and then have a bunch of questions. You know, you and I talked earlier, it's about, you know, being inquisitive, really wanting to know. If you really are inquisitive, you'll figure out the answers. I mean, the answers are out there. Shoot, there's this little guy called Google who will answer a lot of questions <laughs> for you. Oh, yeah. In this day and age, it is easy to get information. But you have to be inquisitive. I uh, went to a new CPA last week, and he sat down and looked at my numbers and asked me a bunch of questions. And he said to me, what if we took your business from this number to this number? 
And that got me so excited because nobody's ever said mm-hmm. that to me before, like been willing to work with me that way. Before I send my statements in, they do my taxes and say, this is what you owe. So I think part mm-hmm. of it for me was finding somebody who really, I guess, was inquisitive about my business and wanted to help me grow, not mm, just that's cool. run the numbers and tell me <laughs> what I owed. Years ago, when I had my own accounting firm for hair salons, uh, I did exactly that. I walked into this really small salon in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, and um, they were doing, I can't remember the numbers, but let's say $2,000 a week. I mean, it was really small. And um, I said, well, let's set some goals. So and it was four uh, stylists and an owner, and so each one of them you know, kind of set a goal of what they could do that next week. And, uh, and they were going to, you know, track it, put it on a wall and, you know, how many customers could they actually do and, and ask for referrals and, you know, just do the basic things of, of building a business. And within about a four week period of time, they went from doing 2000 a week to doing 6,000 a week. They like tripled the volume that they did. Now it may have not been sustainable, but it was amazing because, you know, guess what? Because they had a goal, geez, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, you know, this particular girl is going to do $750. She was used to doing 500 She started calling clients that she hadn't seen in a while. Well, she wouldn't traditionally have done that if she hadn't had a goal and everybody on the team was interested in that. Um, so it was just really a fun exercise, and that's kind of the idea of what you're doing. You're setting your goals for yourself. You get everybody involved in it. Um, keep score, you do more. Yeah. And it becomes exciting. And I actually, when the new CPA was asking me questions, I'm like, oh my goodness, I do know what an owner's capital draw is. Mm -hmm. And I do know what part of is wages and what social security. So I think we know more than we give ourselves credit for when we really sit down and start to dissect our numbers. It's true. And and, uh, I don't know why we think they're so scary. I really don't now that I'm immersing myself into it a little bit more. I think it's, um, especially like you said, the creative side, I think people feel like it's, you know, it's just something that they can't learn. You know, maybe maybe in, in high school or in, in grade school, they weren't good in math, so they think, oh, I'm not good in math, so they just kind of avoid it. And it's the worst thing you can do with that weakness. That's that important. If you're, if you're a service, pro- even if you're a service provider only, quote-unquote, knowing your numbers is important. Setting goals, you know, knowing, knowing what you can do. Knowing that end of it. I always, I teach online. I have some online academies because it, when I started stepping into the leadership role in the industry and training people, it would blow my mind that we are in a $15.5 billion industry and the average practitioner is making $28,000 a year. Mm, So it was my goal to make those numbers a little different for the practitioner because I think when you do pay attention to the business side of it, you can grow. And exactly like you said, set the goals, know your numbers, and know where you want to be. Well, the funny thing is, I remember my dad saying this years ago. He would walk into a salon, and and there'd be one girl doing a lot of business, and then the two girls next door were, were really not that busy. And he would, he would ask the girls next door, now, why is it that you think that she's so busy? Well, she's just, you know, she she got a good clientele. She's, you know, she's been at it for a long time. She's whatever. They they had all these excuses on why it is that 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 person was doing more business than they were. And he's like, you know something, the reason that she, <laughs> they're doing more is because they're better at this than you are. 
not not actually technical skills, but the fact that they're a better business person. They, you know, they really you know rebook their customers. They they ask for referrals. They you know they actually show up every single day to work. They you know if if something happens, they call their customers. I mean, they're really business professionals, and that's what it takes. It's that commitment to excellence that it takes to. To, uh, to be a success in this business. And sometimes, you know, we talked about it being inquisitive. Sometimes people that aren't doing as well don't ask those questions. They don't, they don't search that in information out. Like, why do I suck? I mean, this industry <laughs> is huge. There's tons of people making tons of money. Why am I not making tons of money? And, and it's, it's, there's no, you know, you can't say it's my town. You can't say it's my industry. You can't say it's, that's all a bunch of baloney. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's within yourself. I mean, you, You've got to figure out what it is that you're doing wrong to because you, there's something you're doing wrong because there's people out there making lots of money in this business. I want to ask you a few questions. I'm taking notes here because I, I'm so excited to have you on here to pick your brain. I don't want to forget anything. Um, first of all, it says in your bio that in 2007, you sold Mellie's to L'Oreal. Yes, ma'am. Is that when it switched names to salon-centric? Yeah, at first they called it Mailey's, but after a little while they had bought us and a company out in the uh, Midwest called Beauty Alliance, okay. and they combined the two, and they tried to come up with a name, and they came up with the name Salon Centric about a year after we sold. Did you go out searching for somebody to buy your company, or did they approach you? Because I imagine this is a day that you did a happy dance in your house. Uh, it was a day full of tears. Um, in a million years, we did not want to sell our business. We really loved the business, loved the industry, loved our people. Um, but L'Oreal wanted to consolidate the industry. Um, they really wanted to buy all their distributors and be closer to the customer. And so, you know, a big part of our business was product lines like Matrix, Redken, L'Oreal, and Pureology. So we ended up having 70% of our business with them. So when they came calling and asking if we wanted to sell our business, <laughs> we said no, but you know, the threat, the implied threat is, Jesus, you don't sell your business, we'll just go in the territory and take the brand since we own the brands and uh, compete against you. So it was wow. a tough... Uh, wow. Tough, and they weren't, they certainly weren't heartless. You know, they offered us a, a ridiculous amount of money for our business. Um, but, you know, it wasn't uh, because, oh, gee, let's, let's get out. Um, you know, I was young, I was 43 years old. I was what I considered young. Well, I I think that for me walking into Mailey's because I still go, I'm actually going to go this afternoon, but I don't see, it didn't seem to change that much from a consumer's perspective. Mm -hmm. No, they're, they're, you know, they're professionals. I mean, they have um, 550 stores. They, you know, they have a system. They have a lady named Gina that runs it that came from the Gap. I mean, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. You know, 2007 was kind of, the beginning of a big disruption in every industry, the failing economy. Mm, yeah. So you, do you think that, were you still immersed in the business to see if there was a shift? Um, yeah, there, it was the first, 2008 and 2009 were the first time in the beauty industry's history that it went down in sales year over year. And so we, you know, quote unquote, got out at the right time. Yeah. But of course, you know, since then the economy is, revived, the salon industry is revived, everything's, everything's going, going positive again. I think I just got lucky and it was really a very valuable business lesson for me because my business did better during the failing economy than it did 
when things were booming. Mm. But I, what I want to talk about with you, and I don't know if you were even immersed in it enough to notice this, and people get so heated when I bring up this t- conversation, and I just would love to hear what you have to say about it, is the discounting delirium that started with the daily deals during this time. Mm. I think there's a time and a place for every business strategy, and, and those people um, that got involved in that did a fantastic job. I mean, they, the people that started it. Um, the question is, um, can you do well without it? And of course you can. Um, you know, there's, there's an infinite number of possibilities and ways to, to run your business successfully. So you don't have to do, do it that way. But yeah, I mean, the, the people that are saying, you know, gee, we're, we're not busy Tuesday afternoons. You know, I've got a facility that's sitting empty. And if, if, even if I could get in you know, half the revenue that I would normally get, I'd be happy. I'd actually make profit at that level um, because my overhead's already you know, spent. I mean, it's fixed. Um, so you know, it, it might make sense for the, right, you know, for the right customer. So I don't have anything against it. It's uh, just, the, just a different business strategy that people have employed using the Internet. Yeah, I just I, I wonder if these people – my only suggestion would be to run your numbers before you do it. Cause a lot of, I've seen it destroy a lot of businesses where it's just not a sustainable business model. If, if you don't know what you're getting into and you don't have systems in place to keep these clients coming back. Oh, exactly. There's no doubt about that. It's, you know, you've got to, it's got to be just one strategy to run your business. Well, yeah. Even if it makes sense for your business. Yeah. You, run your numbers first would be my advice. Cause I have people that mm-hmm. go, Oh my gosh, it's so amazing. And then they call me back six months later and said, I just had to take on a part-time bartending job because I can't yeah. pay my bills anymore and I'm working my butt off. So yep, that's right. another thing, I don't know if you have really been able to observe in the industry is the salon suites that are popping up. How did that affect your reps and the business? And were you involved at all when they started kind of showing up in our industry? Uh, we were, um, but not nearly to the extent it is today. Um, it is um, unbelievable the extent that it is today. You know, I mean, the, my take on it is that salon suites are, you know, ideally they legitimize the booth rental system in place in that they actually have to have a door they actually have to, you know, run a business, have a business license, all that sort of thing, because that's what they're, what a booth renter is purporting themselves is, is it being in their own business. So from that perspective, I think it makes sense. It's a nice natural next step um, for that booth renter. The challenge is for anyone that's doing business on their own as their own boss, it's, it's no different if you have 100 employees or if you have one, if it's just you, you've got to be the one that motivates yourself every day. You go to work. You're the one that's got to motivate yourself every single day to serve your customers well. There's no one behind you helping you push you, shove you in, in the positive direction. And the challenge in this world is that there's 99% follower, 1% leader. And so if you're that booth runner or if you're that employee person that's thinking, oh, I'm going to start my own thing, okay. Realize you've got to be an entrepreneur. You have to think creatively. You have to know your numbers. You have to develop a marketing strategy. That You just can't hope that it's going to be a successful plan. 
Yeah, I, I've seen some salons really struggling. They're losing a lot of hairdressers yep. that are stepping into. Is there any advice you'd give to these salon owners, like how to keep your hairdressers coming in or staying with you? Well, um, you know, one of the local salons to me, um, he has a small salon, six stylist, and he lost two to the salon suites. And then about six months later, they came back. And the deal was that they realized that what he provided in terms of motivation, excitement, education, a team environment was all gone because they were they would literally unlock their door, walk in, and, and it would just be them and their customer. And so they, it just wasn't a, didn't have the feel for themselves or their customers that they were used to. Um, so the question to the salon owner is, are you... Are you creating an environment for your staff and for your customers that's um, sticky, that, that they want to stay in your environment? If you're, if you're not, you know, whenever I see people lose a lot of people, I always, I kind of usually, if, if you really ask the right questions, you'll find backwards that they maybe lost interest in the business themselves, the owner did. Um, maybe they went through a divorce. Maybe they had some hardships in their family in some way they disengaged. And so the environment that they had started with when they were just starting in business and how excited they were and how they served the customer and they really believed in their people had been lost. And their, their employees felt it, they could smell it, and, and eventually they left because they didn't have the environment that they were looking for. So the question, again, the gut check you have to ask as an owner is, am I providing that environment? Because my people deserve it. I mean, I, can't, I have to walk in every single day you know, and make my business better. Are you doing that? If so, then don't, you never have to worry about that. You don't ever have to worry about the competition because you're taking care of your people. You're taking care of your business. I mean, you know, you should be aware of it, but it, it, it will, it, it will not kill you if you're, if you're engaged, I think. I love, love, love that last bit of information you shared. And I like the words gut check because we all need to do that, especially as owners. Yeah. Oftentimes the, um, I was, I was talking to a salon owner. We, I represent, or I own a brand called Mirabella Beauty. It's a makeup brand. And I had a salon owner say, oh, my gosh, I don't want to take on, uh, I don't like selling retail because it's, you know, everything's available on the Internet. Yep, it sure is. Every brand is available on the Internet. Well, that's not fair, and you know, how do I compete? And I said, do you realize what percentage is sold on the Internet versus sold through professional establishments? No. Well, on average, 6% of all beauty sales are done online. So you're going to say goodbye to 94% of your business, your retail business, because someone's taking 6%. Really? I mean, does that make sense? No. It, it, you know, <laughs> it, it's too bad, but the Internet is not going to go away, you know, but you still have to compete. So. I am so glad that you brought this up because this is the biggest complaint I get from practitioners. My clients buy everything online, my client, but a company like say Mirabella, which I want to ask you about in a minute, they need to be online creating brand awareness. Is that the truth? Am I, you know, as, as somebody who's managing a brand, a retail brand, would you agree with that? Well, the deal is, is that, um, we have cool products and we send those cool products into the editors, into Vogue and Cosmo and all that sort of thing. And those editors when they put, if, they, if they're going to put your product in their magazine, which is a big deal when they do that, 
they need to tell either that you're at a huge retailer like Alta or Sephora, or they need to say that you're available online. If you're not available that way, they will not put you in the magazine. because they need, They're taking care of their readers. Their readers have to have somewhere that they can instantly access those products. So that's, for us, the number one reason that we have an online store um, is that it's important for those consumers that hear of our product in a territory that we don't have. Um, it's certainly not, you know, gee, they, they bought their pure press mineral foundation from my salon, and I'm hoping I'm going to steal it from them. To You know, it like makes, that makes no sense to me. Like, I don't care about that sale. I want the salon to have that sale. Yeah, And it's also that woman that buys your breast foundation from your salon, and then she moves to Florida, and she can't find it in her area, so all of a sudden now she has access. Yeah, and I feel, as a practitioner, my clients are very educated in the fact that I will ship to them for free. I want to compete with these online stores, but Mm -hmm. give some added value that I'll help you find the right thing for your skin personally. So there's ways around it, but I, I see these practitioners and these hairdressers and they get so mad that their brands are online. And to me, that creates an awareness. So when they're in your shop and they see it, they're like, ooh, tell me more about this. Mm-hmm. Where did you get the 6%? Where does that statistic come from? Because I love it. I want to talk about it for a second. I, obviously, I read all the uh, WWD is kind of my uh, woman's wear daily is you know my source of everything. They, they have a lot of good information. Um, so that's most likely where I re- learned that stat. I love it. Six percent of products are purchased online. Then the ninety-four percent in the beauty in the beauty industry. Wow! Thank you. That's like a powerful aha moment and something that I can use to teach on. So I appreciate that when people are feeling beat up by online sales. And it'll go to seven percent. It'll go to eight percent. We all know that, but it's not eighty percent. It's it's never going to go to eighty percent. No, and it's never like you said. The internet's never ever going away. So we just have to adapt and shift and create new systems around how to get the products off our shelves when the clients are in our business. I used to um, teach leadership classes and I would say, realize, I hate to tell you this, but this whole thing called the computer and the internet, it's not a fad. It's actually here to stay (laughs) and it's going to be part of our business going forward. So you either have to embrace it or always be behind the curve. I was listening to Tony Robbins yesterday when I was on the treadmill and he said, there's two things that are a fact. We're either growing or we're dying. Mm. So accept the growth and evolve with the changes or become stagnant and disappear. And that was Mm -hmm. powerful. And it's kind of surrounds everything in a business world, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's even your own personal life. Yeah, that's true. So let's talk about Mirabella because I'm obsessed with this product line. I stumbled upon it in Vegas a few months ago. At the Cosmopolitan Spa. Oh, beautiful. And I had no idea it was associated with salon-centric or that I started doing research on it. Actually, my friend Pam did, and she's like, you got to get this guy, John Maley, on your show, because I turned her on to the lip gloss. And that oh, was, beautiful. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Let me say, I, I had to giggle because I found a video. I always do research on my guest, and you said, when I first started, I knew nothing about makeup. So mm. how'd you get into this line? And then we'll talk about where people can find it. Well, it's, um, you know, I was a distributor, um, and a brand came to me called Mirabella, a lady named Christy Thurston out of Utah, 
and she had spent 20 years in Nordstrom's as a national beauty advisor working with the best brands. She started her own hair salon in Utah, and she couldn't imagine selling to customers and not actually doing their makeup, finishing the service with makeup, what we call the Mirabella Minute. Um, She just thought it was ridiculous that you would do a color on a woman and then you would unveil her for the service, and then the first move that every one of those women would make would be to their own purse to put on their own makeup and, and touch up their makeup. And so she just thought it was ridiculous. So she, you know, to her, makeup was part of it. So she looked around the industry. She didn't see anything that was department store quality. And so she developed Mirabella. And she brought it to us as a distributor, and we did really well with it, so much so that they actually ran out of money. I became their financial partner. And then we sold Mayoys. L'Oreal has plenty of cosmetic brands. They didn't need it. And so um, I kept it. And uh, then Christy retired, and, and I've been working here ever since. And uh, I didn't, you know, I mean, the bottom line is the in the salon industry, um, we sell about $10 billion in, in retail um, merchandise uh, in hair care products. And women purchase about $10 billion of makeup. So for every dollar of shampoo that they buy, they're buying a dollar of foundation or lipstick. It's, it's, a made, it's a huge business. And so why wouldn't we, number one, finish the service properly um, with actually touching the woman's makeup up? Um, and, and second, why wouldn't we take a, a huge revenue source to our business and, and bring it into our business? Instead of, you know, the challenge for most salons is they have seven, eight, nine lines of hair care. Why not take on something else other than hair care in the business? Because less than five percent actually sell makeup of the salons. Oh, really? Less? It, it's my people walk into my checkout room, and that's where I have my makeup, and uh, mm-hmm. they'll always grab something. You know, it's yeah. a, it's almost like a no brainer. You got you got to make it look good. Um, that's the challenge for many salons: is it's a fire and forget missile. They'll they'll take on makeup and they're excited and their guests are excited. And then three months later, they kind of forget about it. And, and makeup is not a, that kind of category. You have to stay engaged in it every day, every morning. When someone makes the coffee, they got to make the, they got to touch up the makeup and make it look really gorgeous so that they'd feel comfortable touching it. Cause that's, mm. that's how you'd be successful in makeup. So what else have you taken away from your stepping from stepping into the makeup world? <laughs> um, well, makeup is first and foremost a foundation business. Um, women are very similar to hair color customers um, in that a hair color customer stays in the salon for seven years. They stay committed to you. A haircut customer, not, not so much, right? The same thing with foundation. foundation a foundation customer stays for seven years um, with you. And since you know, we're a small brand, guess what? They're going to keep buying it from you, which is great. Um, now, we have lipsticks and we have, um, you know, blushes and all that as well. But those are, you know, women date their lipstick and they marry their foundation. And so the idea is if we can teach them, you know, about their skin tone and put on some foundation at the end of their service, they'll probably fall in love with our product. They'll start using it. And then you'll have this nice foundation business. And then every once in a while, they're going to buy some color as well, which is, you know, perfect because we have these fabulous POPs that come out every couple of months. Um, point of purchase uh, collections. So those are some things I've learned. Besides the fact we, you know, we're in an industry that's ingredient conscious. So Mirabella is mineral line, gluten free, paraben free, talc free. So you 
wholesale this as well. If somebody wants to check out your makeup line, will you give a shout out to your web address? Yeah, mirabellabeauty.com. Spell that out for everyone listening in. M-I-R-A-B-E-L-L-A, beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com. Awesome. And there's an info section. They just click on that and that email comes directly to me. Nice. I can't believe how quickly, by the way, thank you. You emailed me back about being on the show. I, you, it was very impressive. So you're very immersed in this business. Yeah. My first and foremost love is the salon industry and has been since I was a, a boy. been going to hair shows since I was five years old. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is, uh, and there's no, there's no business. I mean, I have, I'm involved in other businesses, but there's no business in the world like this. We're still independents dominate the industry. Ninety percent, ninety-two percent of the business is still done by independents, not by the chains. You take any other industry, and, and you know the, the big guys dominate. Not in this industry. It's really beautiful. I like that. I didn't know that either. I'm learning a whole bunch from you today. I I see in your bio that you've been married for 28 years. Congratulations. Not many people can say that anymore. Thank you, ma'am. Is she involved in the beauty industry? Uh, she never was. We actually started together at the same accounting firm, so we're a couple of accounting nerds. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, then she uh, she ended up staying home with the boys, but now she helps out at Mirabella um, doing some of our books. Great. You're lucky you have that kind of support. Yeah, she's uh, our boys are, uh, two of them are married, and one of them's in college, so she's got the empty nest syndrome, and so she's looking for things to do to keep her, uh, keep her busy. Where do you guys live? Uh, we live up in Santa Clarita. Okay. When I first started my spa in Encino, I got a lot of clients. I don't think there was a whole lot of beauty stuff going on in that neck of the woods. I see it less yeah, and less true. now, so people are starting businesses up there. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. But everyone always has that sense from this community that it's better in the in the Valley. It's better in the West Side. Well, it's funny because I get the sense in the Valley people are like, I go to Beverly Hills and I'm like, really, the only <laughs> thing is, is the rent's a little more expensive. So they, we have to charge more in certain areas. That's right. <laughs> You're also involved in a brewery and it looks like a safety equipment company, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. We have a brewery called Wolf Creek Brewery. Um, we have, uh, we make fine ales and uh, handcrafted ales. And uh, it's a business, again, located here in Santa Clarita. We sell predominantly in Southern California. And then our, we have a safety business. When I got out of Mailey's, we, uh, we got involved in a couple of distributorships because that's what I knew. I knew I'd be a distributor and I had a five-year non-compete, so I couldn't, uh, couldn't get in the beauty business except for Mirabella. So, uh, so that kind of kept my hand in, uh, in business. So I've learned a lot about business in other industries over these last uh, eight years. Do you ever get a day off? Oh, yeah. No, I have a great work-life balance. Oh, good. <laughs> I, uh, for me, it's always been very uh, fun because I've me and my wife are best friends. We have a ball together, and I love my kids. And so it was always easy to want to take the time to do that, and, oh, then I'd sit working around that. But I do, I do try to be a hard worker. Did any of the boys get involved in your businesses? One of them just uh, joined our safety company to... Uh, run our inside sales division. So we'll see how he does. He just started a few months ago. So That's great. My, uh, my rule was that they had to work uh, two or three years outside of anything that I do because they really under- need to understand the business world at large before they would ever get involved in something that I do. 
Wow. So you, you make them come in with a little bit of real life experience, real work experience before they start with dad. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the idea. We'll see how it, how it all works out. <laughs> well, gosh, I, I'm going to put you on the spot because normally I give somebody a heads up on the question I'm going to ask. So I just want to ask you if you had to give people a success tips, like two or three success tips on running a successful business, what would, what would they be? I think it always starts with the people. Um, and so make sure that the people that you have are people that are engaged as you are in the business. And if they're not, have the courage to say goodbye uh, to those people. That's, you have to have a crew that, that's passionate about what you're doing. And sometimes that means letting go people that are important to the business financially. Um, so you've got to, maybe you've got to do it at the right time, but uh, make sure you have an engaged crew. Um, I think the uh, other success, uh, the other tips I would probably give would be about the, uh, about, as I said about the numbers earlier, you've got to know your business you know your business, you, you probably won't have as many surprises. Um, be inquisitive about your business. And um, those are probably the, the top two things I would say. You know, it's all about the people, uh, first and foremost, and then it's, and, and it's understanding your business, understanding what makes it drop, go and what doesn't make it go. And, and you gotta, that's an honest, you know, we talked about gut check earlier. Sometimes you want to believe your business is, is one way or another, but it really isn't. When you actually look at it, so. who do you go to for advice? Number one, I, I'm a big reader. I read a ton um, and absorb a lot of information. Um, I have some in this industry. I have uh, probably six or eight uh, other business owners uh, that, that that run brands um, that I contact regularly for different things that are going on in the industry that I. That I need their counsel on. And then I have a few um, business friends that are just have business advice, business knowledge um, that I run uh, things by all the time as well. I have a pretty big circle of people, um, and I think in you know you, uh, I, I definitely understand that I don't know it all, and uh, and there's probably people that even if it's something I feel like I know pretty well. Um, there's some people that'll probably have a different idea than I do. And, and it sometimes can, can help my thinking. Yeah. A success Rolodex is extremely important in powering through business ups and downs, I think. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it's just that, right? The, the downs, right? Yeah. To say, yeah. hey, is it, uh, is this bad everywhere? <laughs> That's so funny. That's what I'll do when I'm a little bit slow at the spa. I call a hairdresser friend or a nail tech. I'm like, are you slow this week? It just kind of feel better to, to remember it's cyclical. You know, you, yeah, exactly. And the busy bus isn't always there at the salon, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We wish it was, but there are times that are a little bit more bustly than others. So exactly. I want you to one more time mention your web address and then I'm going to let you, it's Monday morning and I know you want to probably, or you have to do a bunch of stuff. So where can people find out about Mirabella? Um, MirabellaBeauty.com is the Easiest uh, spot, M-I-R-A-B-E-L-L-A, beauty.com. And if you ever look on social, you know, um, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, or Pinterest, the Mirabella Beauty tag is the easiest way to find us as well. 
I want to thank you so much for being here this morning. I absolutely loved interviewing you. You're very generous with your information and you threw out a lot of statistics that are very inspirational to anyone listening in. I know they're going to love it. Well, great, Lori. Congratulations to you on your success. And uh, if there's ever anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to call. I totally appreciate that statement. And likewise, if there's anything I can do to support you and your biz, just give me a jingle. (laughs) Sounds great. Thanks, Thanks, Lori. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, Six Simple Strategies to Generate a Dramatic Increase in Your Beauty Biz Income, and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com. Or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. Thanks again for tuning in to the Beauty Biz Show.